All right, come on up, Dean. Let's pray. Let's welcome Dean. Yay, Dean. Dean's a real gift to us. Just going to pray for him. He's going to be teaching this morning. Yeah, why don't we just stretch our hands towards him? You going to use this mic today? Okay. So, Lord, thank you for Dean and, and just the blessing he is to our congregation in so many ways. And the least not being uh, the, the teaching gift that's on him. And I just say that teaching gift is not just what he says, but it's, it's how he lives. And I thank you that his life instructs us. Thank you, Lord, for the humility and the, just the, the way he just so unselfconsciously serves and loves you. Loves his family, loves our church, loves his neighbor. So bless him as he shares out of the treasure you've given him today. Empower him to speak. Empower us to hear and to listen today. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Thanks. Let's see what I wrote. <laughs> um, so we've been, I don't know if you've been here for a while, we've been working through a series on spiritual practices. So what, that's mainly focusing kind of on how we relate to God and things we can do to improve that. Um, the, last few, the last few weeks we've been looking at true and false self which is more of an internal who we are and, and really taking a close look at that and how we interact with the world around us, which personally I found um, very challenging and very um, difficult in some ways to, to just look at yourself and see, okay, so what do I do that to protect myself? So that was a good, good series. Um, and for the next three weeks or so, before we run into Advent, we're going to be looking a little bit more at humility and how we interact with the world around us and the people around us. So a little more, a little less of the interaction with God and a little more of the interaction with people around us. Um, today we're going to be talking about walking humbly with God and... Um, I'm going to start with a story. Super weird. So that's a real old picture. I'm in that picture. That blonde head there, that would be me. Uh, and that's my sister and our dog. And um, I... For a lot of my life, I haven't been super close with my dad, but one of the things that he did do when we were young is he would, we'd go on kayak trips. And actually, he was really into kayaking and he was really into wilderness. And he, um, we had a cottage on the lake in northern Ontario, and he built kayaks for all of us. So we each had our own, it's just a wood-framed canvas kayak. And there was five children, two adults. He built seven kayaks. <laughs> so he took it seriously. But 
it really fostered this 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 love of nature and and being on the water. And so he um he made a point of going on kayak trips with us. So this was a we drove a little ways to this lake and then we kayaked out to an island and we spent the night, you know, and had a campfire and it was quite enjoyable. Isolated lake, like um, if you know, well, you probably don't know Northern Ontario, but there's a ton of lakes and there was no cottages on this lake. So you're just by yourself. Um, what's my point? It's, that's a real happy memory from my childhood. That's my point. I feel better now. But um, walking humbly with God, it just reminds me of this idea of, like, I think this is a good image of that kind of idea. Like, um, as a child, especially a young child, you tend to look up to your parents. As you get older, you tend to fight with them. But when you're young, you still have respect for them. And so that kind of encompasses a humility, like the, you know your parents are wiser and you can, you're interested in learning from them. And then the whole idea of walking with, and I just, this imagery of a journey, you know, um, like my dad was there leading us, kind of not necessarily intending to teach us things about life, but inevitably it just, it happens, right? And I, I really like that, that imagery of walking with God because it's the same kind of thing. We walk through life with God, humbly listening to him, and, and he leads us and guides us. So keep that imagery in mind. Um, Micah 6.8. So this is where the actual phrase comes from. I'll remind you, Micah, because you probably don't know, Micah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he was a pre-exilic prophet, meaning after Israel was in the Promised Land for many generations, they started to grow kind of more and more apostate. They, t- they started to focus more on the rituals of the temple versus the relationship with God. And eventually... Um, Israel is is in exile, but this is kind of, before that happens, there's a number of prophets that speak to Israel and warn them that this is coming, and Micah is one of them. So let's read read this. Uh, This is Micah speaking. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So, um, Micah's saying here that God's not really interested in us following the law and doing the rituals that he's prescribed, but he's more interested in being in relationship with us and what our heart is. Um, 
I guess for us today, we don't have a lot of rules in our religion, particularly in this church. Some churches have a lot more rules. But, you know, just things like um, church attendance and tithing and um, even things like there's kind of these unspoken Christian behaviors that we're always supposed to be doing. And really what Micah is saying is it's, it's really about walking with God and and that's the number one thing. And everything flows out of that. And we're called to, to show the character of God in the world, to show God's justice and mercy in, in humility. So um, just walking like Jesus did. We'll talk a little bit more like that about that later. Yeah, so... Uh, just a working definition of humble. It's not really a definition. It's more of not putting yourself first, submitting yourself to God. Really the opposite of being prideful and selfish. So kind of meekness is another idea, but not... If we think meekness, we tend to think weakness, and that's not... Humility is not weakness. It's knowing who you are more than being weak. This... The, our passage for today, and what we'll be talking about the rest of the morning, is Mark 12, 28 to 34. Um, and this is New Testament, yeah. It's one of the, it, this passage is also in Matthew. Um, it's a, this particular section of Mark, Jesus is interacting with the the religious leaders in Jerusalem and there's a number of debates going on with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they tend to be a lot of conflict because they're not understanding really what Jesus is talking about. They're talking about the law, Jesus is talking about the heart. So then we come to this passage and I'll read it to you. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them of all the commandments, which is the most important. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Then Jesus saw that he had answered wisely and said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So this is kind of, it starts out as kind of an academic question. You know, that the, the teacher is, 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 it's a good question to ask uh, a religious leader. What's the most important commandment? What's at the root of your faith? What's the most important thing? And Jesus gives a fabulous Jewish answer. I mean, the, the Shema, 
which is, this passage is from Deuteronomy 6.4, and it, it's considered to be kind of the root of the, of the Israel faith. They would pray this every day, like, so everyone would know this passage. And it's, it's a good one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And the second part, reaching out to those around us, loving your neighbor as yourself, um, which is really an outworking of the first part. The, the first part is always our relationship with God, but hopefully as we walk with him and we kind of glean his heart for the people around us, we just naturally serve each other in humility. And the teacher hears Jesus and then he goes further and says that these things are more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. So Jesus, or the, the teacher gets it. Unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the teacher actually realizes, yeah, it's not about the commandments, it's about the heart. Um, so Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You understand what this is about. It's about walking humbly with God. It's about um, having a heart that's willing to learn and having not thinking too highly of ourselves and being in relationship with God as we go through life. Yeah, I'm not going to read that again. Um, just a few words on humility. It's often not respected in our culture. It's often seen as weakness. Humble people are often not successful. Um, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking that's kind of, I don't know how true, I'm getting, I've realized lately as I look in the mirror and as I try to read things in front of me that I'm getting older. So, um, certainly true in my generation and older that the people who are successful are the people that are often were self-centered and prideful and really aggressive at getting things done. And um, I'm not sure if that's true anymore or not. I don't even know. But that's, it's often seen as weakness if you're not that kind of person. And I don't want to bring Trump into everything, but Trump would be truly not a humble person. So the other extreme, <laughs> the un-Trump Jesus, I guess, right? Um, but in actual fact, being humble is a real hard thing. Like if you're, unless you have a really broken image of yourself, which then probably isn't really humility as much as brokenness, but to be humble and to put other people ahead of you is, is hard. It's, a, it's work to do that. And you have to know who you are and be okay with who you are to really do that. Otherwise, yourself just keeps getting in the way of being humble. Yeah, false humility. You can do the, the right things for the wrong reasons. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, this is the second sermon I've done on humility. So I guess someone thinks I'm humble. Um, and Gordy's introduction. And I was thinking about this, and I thought... Yeah, okay, maybe it's like some of it, maybe I am humble, but some of it is, I was the youngest of five children, and 
when you're in a big family and you're the youngest, you're either like the um, the child that gets all the attention, like you're the special one, or you're just the other one. You're, you're just like the last child that no one really even notices you're there. And in my family, it was more like that. Um, so I kind of learned pretty early on that there's not a lot of point in drawing attention to myself because it's not, I'm not going to get it anyway. So that's my own brokenness and I deal with that every day. And some of the reasons that I do things in the background is just because of that brokenness. So that looks like humility, but that isn't humility. That's brokenness. I like to think I do things out of humility too, but yeah. um, Another example would be Chili Wagon. Chili Wagon is, used to run out of this church and for many years we'd, we'd serve chili to people in Grandview Park one night a week. And um, one of the really cool things about it and about the team we had is if you spend any time, really, if you spend a lot of time serving people who don't have much, you begin to realize that they're not different than us, really. Um, so it's, yeah, so after, you know, spending years doing this, you really get, it becomes more of a friendship. We're just feeding our friends than, than being, well, we've got something you don't, we're giving it to you. So it's more of a humble, equal relationship. And we would get teams from YWAM that would come through and help out. And for the most part, they were very helpful. It was fascinating sometimes because you'd see these <laughs> very clear, like upper middle class white kids, and they're they're with these people who are um, living on the streets, and they've just they're terrified because <laughs> they've never they've never been in that situation. And then uh, by the end of the evening, they realize, you know, I don't have to be afraid. These are people too. But you would also sometimes get people who are just really prideful and really aware of how much more they had. So they were giving from pride. It was like, you know, a checklist of things to do, serve the poor, check, yep, I did that, gold star. I'm proud of myself because I serve people. And that's, um, it's not humility at all. It's just pride. Few examples in the, in the Bible, Moses, um, I mean, Moses led, uh, like, I don't know, a million people through the desert, and he never really thought of himself. There was a few occasions, but for the most part, he, just, he was just a really good leader. And King David as well, very similar. And Jesus, absolutely, we'll talk about Jesus here. Uh, Philippians 2.5, in your... Your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself become, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And um, as we 
going towards Christmas, we'll talk more about this, about Advent. But like the first line, or actually the whole thing, I mean, Jesus was God. I don't, I don't know how much you think about this. I tend to kind of not think about it that much. But the whole idea of God coming to earth and being in our midst, it's just crazy. Like, that's such a, a self-limiting. Like, God limits himself to the human form just so he can be in relationship with us, which is just such an act of humility. And it says Jesus did not use his equality with God for his own advantage. He made himself nothing. It's just craziness. And it's our example of who we, who we should follow. I'm going back to the passage. Uh, we're reading Mark 12. So Jesus gives the two, two most important commandments for how we live, our relationship with God and our relationship with neighbors. And it's about love. And I was thinking about love, and love is... In its essence, love is giving. You can't really have selfish love. It's not love, right? You're just using someone else. Um, Rose and I just celebrated an anniversary not so long ago. Um, 24? Yes? 24. Changes every year, I always forget. 24 years of joy and happiness. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we were talking to someone at dinner who was sitting beside us and they asked us what the key is. <laughs> how, how did you manage to stay together so long? And really one of, the, one of the most important things is not to, not to try to change the other person and not to put yourself first. So to truly just put the other person first in humility. And if both of you are doing that, then it's bound to work. As soon as one person starts being selfish, then things start to fall apart a little. Hard to do, though. I'm not saying it's easy, because it isn't. <laughs> I love you, too. Um, yeah, I already said that. Just this idea, you know, that pride or being selfish and prideful tends to build walls in relationships, whereas being humble really allows us to be close to each other and closer to God. So, and, and I think really to be humble, we need to know who we are and be secure in who we are, because then we're not trying to put ourselves or our needs ahead of the relationship. I think it's interesting also that Kids Church right now is doing, their theme is cooperation. And their verse they're using is Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two people are better than one. They can help each other in everything they do. And to really cooperate requires humility. So they're, they're, they're learning about the same things we are, just from a slightly different angle. Um... Mother Teresa, super humble, um, always like just poured out her life serving the poor and needy. 
And she wrote a book, which I haven't read, but this is a quote from it. And it's a very challenging quote, so I'm going to read it to you. You can ponder it. These are the few ways we can practice humility. To speak as little as possible of oneself. To mind one's own business. Not to want to manage other people's affairs. To avoid curiosity. To accept contradictions and correction cheerfully to pass over the mistakes of others, to accept insults and injuries, to accept being slighted, forgotten, and disliked, to be kind and gentle, even under provocation, never to stand on one's dignity, to choose always the hardest. How about that? <laughs> so this is what we're gonna do this week, okay? <laughs> No problem. And I think, I mean, each of us are going to have more problems doing different parts of this than other parts of it. But it's very challenging. It's a very challenging to live like that. A few more fun quotes. Uh, C.S. Lewis, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. James 4, 6, God opposes the, opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's very challenging to not want to protect ourselves and put ourselves first. And this ties in well into what we've been talking about, true and false self, because a lot of, a lot of the false self behaviors we have are all about protecting our, ourselves or trying to, trying to keep people from seeing who we really are. So to, to, to really be humble, we really have to be true to ourselves. And it's a very challenging thing because, I mean, I know who I am and there's things that I don't like and I don't really want other people to see. So I'd rather just gloss those over. So, walking humbly with God. Again, that, that image of the kayak trip, just, you know, being on a journey with God and learning as, as we go, as we're in relationship with him. And, you know, the relationship with God and then also loving our neighbors as, just as Jesus did, just caring for other people and in humility, even if they're irritating or difficult. Yep, putting God in others first is difficult, but because we know who we are and we are secure in Christ, we can do it. Hopefully. And a little prayer I found, which I think sums it all up very nicely. So let's pray. O oh God, grant that looking upon the face of the Lord as into a glass, we may be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Take out of us all pride and vanity, boasting and forwardness, 
and give us the true courage which shows itself by gentleness, the true wisdom which shows itself by simplicity, and the true power which shows itself by modesty. So Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to walk in humility, to, um, to not put ourselves first in our relationships. And we recognize the, the difficulty and the challenges in doing that, and we just trust that you will be with us and strengthen us to do that. Amen. Wonderful. Thanks, Dean. So I think in the spirit of humility, one of the practices that cultivates humility is the practice of gratitude. Because gratitude is, is, is acknowledging that there's nothing I have but what I've received. I am, I am ingratiated to others, to God, for all that I have. And I can't take credit for those things. So I think it's pretty obvious that as Canadians, the, the country that we enjoy and the freedoms we have are, are thanks to the sacrifice of many who laid down their lives so that we could continue this freedom. And regardless of your view on war, and I'm very mindful that the Christian community has always had about four different perspectives on war, and I don't have time to teach on that today, but I think we all know that there is, a, there is a war against evil. And how we fight that war is obviously uh, different in, in, in the kingdom of God. Uh, but th there is a fight. There, there, if, if you don't know you're in a war, then uh, that's, that's, you've lost the battle. But we also recognize that we live in a fallen world where there is war and, and scripture acknowledges that with the advancing of the kingdom of God, there will come a day when our, our weapons will be turned into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. The nation will not take up sword against nation anymore. So we hope and pray for that day. But what we're going to do is we're going to join with churches around the world and we're going to ring the bells. And as we do in a moment, I'm going to have you stand if you're able to physically stand. And then when we get to the end of the ringing of the bells, we're going to just take a, about a minute of silence. And I'd like us to remember those who've died. Some of us have loved ones. I have a grandpa who was a veteran in the, second, in the First World War who never, as you've heard me say before, never once, ever, after he came out of the army, ever once talked about it to his wife, to his kids, to anybody. So the PTSD that some of these guys suffered back then, we have no idea. And God's grace was amazing for my grandpa. And he came to faith. Um, so I'd like to remember those who've... who've, who've sacrificed, and I also would like to think about our, our veterans today. One of the highest percentages of our homeless population today in Canada is, is war veterans. 
and it's the PTSD, the lack of resources, and that we would as a country uh, take care of these people. So I'd like to remember them. And we're talking about World War I, World War II, the Korean War. There's a lot of Koreans that are buried in Korea. Afghanistan, the Gulf Wars. Um, let's remember them. Let's remember their family members. Let's remember the people that have suffered separation and loss. And let's pray that in our remembering today that God would give us a deeper grace of humility as we live in this land. So let's stand together and I'm going to ask that we ring the bells and then we'll just go into some silence and close with some prayer. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out of Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between the nations, and he will settle disputes for many people, and they will beat their swords into plowshares, 
and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So, Lord, as we approach Advent, our hearts long for your coming. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. And may we, as your followers, walk in humility, walk in, as peacemakers and peacekeepers, in the light of the Lord, in the light of your ways, in the light of the scripture that we've heard today, this teaching. For we're mindful that so much of strife and fighting and war has to do with pride, has to do with arrogance, has to do with putting ourselves first before others. Have mercy on us. Forgive us as the church for the ways we've misrepresented you to our society and to our culture by our own arrogance and pride. And may we lead this nation in peacemaking, in discourse. Free us from the language of violence where we demonize the other. Give us eyes to see, Lord. Our common humanity created in the image of God. And may we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may we love our neighbor as ourselves. And we're thankful, Lord. We thank you for those who've suffered those who sacrificed, even those who may not have known exactly what they, they were doing. We thank you for the freedoms we enjoy in this land. We ask you to help us be responsible with that freedom, to exercise the responsibilities and the rights that we've been given, Lord, in this country. We ask for our veterans, Lord, that are suffering PTSD and are homeless and, and disenfranchised. We pray, Lord, for the political will and, and the help and the resources, Lord, to take care of those who've, who've given their lives for our country. And again, as followers of Jesus, Lord, make us peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the mature chiwas, the mature adult children of God. Help us to embrace the cost of that. Amen.